On today, we're going to look at the vow of the Nazarite. What many people do not realize is there were three different types of Nazarite vows. And the rules change depending on the type of vow that you took. And so on today, we're going to look at the three different types of Nazarites. Make sure you stay tuned. You were listening to Good Treasure Podcast Show with your Bible teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series The Adventures of Rai Rai. For more information, visit the website at dariusgood.com. For more information regarding the church, visit the church's website at bgc.family. And now, here's your Bible teacher, Darius Good. You are listening to the Good Treasure Podcast Show. Thank you for joining us on today. My name is Darius Good. Visit the website today, dariusgood.com. That's Darius, D-A-R-I-U-S-G-O-O-D.com. There you find more information regarding my books as well as myself. And I also have music. I am a music producer and I have several projects that are available, but I have eight books that are also available and you can find information regarding those books right there on the website, DariusGood.com. We also have information regarding our podcast shows, not just this podcast show, as well as our other podcast show, which is called the Divorce Christian Podcast Show, which is doing extremely well. We just hit 47 countries of listeners that tune into that podcast show. And then we are also putting together a YouTube channel um, that should be launching before the end of this year that will also contain uh, small teachings on the subject of divorce and also the, the Levitical law. And so if you're interested in that, you can find that information right there on the website, DariusGood.com. Visit our church's website at BGC.family. That's BGC. Dot family, You can join us for our Sunday morning sermons and be a part of our Friday teachings, which is called Push, which we cover a lot of the information that is shared on this particular platform. So you can join us live right there on the website if you click on our link, which is the virtual link. And once again, that website is bgc.family. On last week, we began our teaching on the Nazarite vow, which we can find in Numbers chapter 6. Highly recommend you go back and listen to episode 17 and then tune into episode 18 there on the podcast. Today, we're going to just highlight a few key points regarding the Nazarite vow, and then we're going to push into our teaching on the three different types of Nazarites. So number one, we can find the vow listed in Numbers chapter six. There are several people in the scriptures that we highlight for this particular vow. One would be Samson. Another one would be John the Baptist. And of course, Paul is mentioned in Acts chapter 18 as possibly there's some debate whether or not he took the vow or not. Seems like he did. Then we, of course, have Jesus where they argue, is he Jesus from Nazareth or are they talking about the Nazarite vow? And we're going to get into that a little bit. I don't know if we'll cover it today or not. But also Samuel. There's another one mentioned in Samuel chapter 1, verse 11. His mother took a vow uh, on his behalf. And so Samuel was a Nazarite, um, a lifelong Nazarite, as well as Samson. And so uh, I just want to highlight a few other laws connected to this particular vow. 
Number one, there was a law of separation, a vow of separation, a vow of consecration. So they were separating themselves from something and to something. So the two, they were separating themselves unto the Lord, which also required them to separate themselves from something. First, I want to highlight also that the vow was taken by both men and women. In Jeremiah chapter 35, we have a family. They are referred to as the sons of Jonadab. And it mentions how both the wives, the sons and the daughters had taken this vow that they would not drink any wine. And so they are viewed as a family that had taken the Nazarite vow. Now, the separation from something, we have this list here. There weren't to take of anything that was connected to the vine. So that would be the grape. So they could not eat grapes. They could not eat raisins. And of course, that would include grapeseed. They also could not drink anything that was made by the grape. So this would include wine and it would include grape juice and other products. And this verse here in Numbers chapter six, verse three, also included strong drink. And it talks about drink that was made from vinegar as well. So anything fermented was also removed from the list of things they could consume. Next, they had to separate themselves. Part of their separation was they could not cut their hair. They were required to let their hair grow. And the last category of separation was from things that were dead. And so he goes into deeper detail explaining if a person drops dead, then they've defiled themselves. So that's a death unexpected. Um, they could not be around mother, father, brother, sister. So they're including those that you're close with. Um, in doing so, you defile yourself. And then we have this explanation of the requirements once you were defiled. So it was a seven day process of cleansing that they had to go through on day eight. Then we have the shaving of the head, which was a requirement, as well as several offerings they had to bring to the priest. And then um, depending on the transgression, they may have to start the vow over again. So it was different for every transgression. I'll cover that in a quick moment. And then in Numbers chapter 6 at verse 13, we see the fulfillment of the vow. So the, the cleansing began at verse 9 through verse 12. And then we have the fulfillment once the vow came to an end. Then we have this process described that they had to follow. And that's verses 13 through 21. Now, I just want to highlight this in regard some areas that we covered on last week in more detail. If they were around a dead person, the requirement was to do the cleansing and then the vow had to start over again. So clearly the vow was for a length of time. It wasn't for life. So now if a person was around the dead, this also included, based on Jewish writings, graves. So they couldn't be in the vicinity of dead people. So by approximation, they were considered to be defiled. And in doing so, defiling through the dead, they had to start their vow from the beginning all over again. So if a person took a vow for seven years, and at some point during that period, they broke this vow pertaining to the dead, then the vow had to start over again. Now, if they cut their hair, 
the requirement was 30 more days added on to the vow. So that's in the case of the hair being cut. And there were times where there were uh, diseases that would infect their hair, requiring their hair to be shaved, their head to be shaved. And so in doing so, uh, they had to add on an additional 30 days to whatever time limit or time they allotted for the vow. So if they did six years, then they had to do six years and 30 days to complete the vow because during the vow, they ended up having their head shaved. Now, in the case of them breaking their vow in drinking alcohol, then they did not, there was no requirement of an extension of time. They were, they had committed a serious transgression, but there was no additional time added on to their vow. Now, at the end of the vow, what you don't see in the scripture is the mikvah that was required. This is a cleansing. Um, it was a ceremonial cleansing that was required. And this was done by priests. This was done by women on a, a regular basis. And so this was a normal part of their cleansing process as Jews. But the immersion completely underwater in living water. So it couldn't be collected water. It had to be living water that they were in. Um, this was also a part of that process of bringing their vow to an end, the purification through immersion. Now, on last week, we covered some additional details I find in Jewish writings that we don't find here in the scripture. For one, regarding the hair. They were required to or they were permitted to groom their hair with their fingers. They could scratch their hair. And if the hair fell out, that was fine. But they were not permitted to use a comb they could not use chemicals that would cause their hair to be removed. Um, and in the case, as I mentioned already, in the case of a skin disease, they were obligated to cut their hair. And in doing so, that would add an additional 30 days onto their Nazarite vow. Now, also, when it came to the dead, um, as I mentioned, they were required to avoid corpses as well as graves. And that included family members. That included buildings that might contain a grave as well. That would also cause them to be defiled. But if they came across a corpse on the road, they were obligated to bury the corpse. Although this would cause them to be defiled. So then they would have to start their process over again. The Hebrew sages equate this vow, the Nazarite vow, to a vow being set apart by an individual for service for God. And what they highlight is that this was a vow taken by non-Levites. Now, the Levites were a part of the Levitical tribe. These were the priests and those that function in the priesthood, different functions connected to the temple. But those that were not part of the Levitical tribe, which would have been the other 12 tribes, because um, keep in mind that there aren't 12 tribes, there's 13 so the tribe of Joseph, they, they implemented the two half tribes, which were the sons of Joseph. So even though we say the 12 sons of Jacob, there's actually 13 tribes. And so the other 12 tribes were non-Levites. They were those that would take this particular vow, and it brought them to a status in God's eyes of being holy. And the ritual is similar, very similar to the Levitical priesthood requirements 
And so the Levites were the priests and the Nazarites were lay people who had dedicated themselves to God for service. Now, in general, there are three types of Nazarites. The first type of Nazarite is one that is a Nazarite for a set time. The second one is a Nazarite that is a permanent Nazarite. So this is a Nazarite for life. And then the third one, according to Jewish teachings, is a Nazarite like Samson. Now, Samson was a permanent Nazarite. But what we find is uh, Samson was around corpses. And so these types of Nazarites, uh, is, this is what's written by the Jewish writers. They have no source in the Bible, but they are known through tradition. Now, each one of these different types of Nazarites had slightly different laws. But as I mentioned on last week, a permanent Nazarite was not permitted to cut their hair, but a permanent Nazarite was permitted to cut their hair once a year. And they highlight the story of Absalom, where he would go and polled, P-O-L-L-E-D, or shaved his head once a year. For, so for this reason, they teach that Absalom was a Nazarite. There will be no other reason to mention him having his head shaved once per year um, in relation to his hair, unless he was actually a Nazarite. So they believe that he must have been a Nazarite for life because this was part of the custom of the Nazarite vow. Now, when it came to the length of time of the vow, the person was allowed to specify the duration of the vow. They could take as many days as they chose, but they could not do less than 30 days. So the minimum was 30 days. So in cases when people did not specify the length of time, it was automatically 30 days. Now, if a person made the vow and they said, I am going to be a Nazarite forever, or I am a Nazarite for all my life, then they just took the permanent Nazarite vow. And that's when the law changed regarding them, where they're now permitted to cut their hair once per year, whereas those that took it for a length of time could not cut their hair. If they did, they transgressed their vow. And then the vow starts over again. Now, those that chose to take the vow like Samson, they were to state, I am a Nazarite like Samson. And in those cases, then those rules that applied to Samson would then apply to them. Now, they I just read what they wrote. They said, however, if a person says that he is a Nazarite for a thousand years. Well, a thousand years has a time period. There's a point where it ends. So that's not a Nazarite for life. So in those cases, anyone uttered that statement was considered a regular Nazarite. So in those cases, their vow would be a 30-day vow. Now, when the vow was made, uh, a father but not a mother could declare their son to be a Nazarite. So the father had to do it, not the mother, but they could not declare their daughter to be a Nazarite. And of course, on last week, we mentioned both men and women were able to take the vow. However, the child or any close family member had the right to refuse this status of a Nazarite. And I want to highlight this uh, passage of the laws of vows, which is in Numbers chapter 30. So in this passage, when a man made a vow, he was required to keep the vow. So in Numbers chapter 30, verse 2, if a man vow a vow unto the Lord or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, 
He shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. Verse three, if a woman also vowed a vow unto the Lord and bind herself by a bond, being in her father's house in her youth, then the father, when he hears the vow and her bond wherewith she hath bound her soul and her father shall hold his peace at her, at her, then all her vows shall stand and every bond wherewith she hath bound her soul shall stand. So if that says nothing, then the vow has now taken place. But at verse five, if her father disallows her in the day that he heareth, not any of her vows or of her bonds wherewith she hath bound her soul shall stand and the Lord shall forgive her because her father disallowed her. So the fathers could break the vow of the daughters. At verse six, and if she had at all a husband when she vowed or uttered utter or uttered out of her lips wherewith she bound her soul and her husband heard it and held his peace at her in the day that he heard it, then her vow shall stand and her bonds wherewith she bound her soul shall stand. At verse eight, but if her husband disallowed her on the day that he heard it, then he shall make her vow which she vowed and that which she uttered with her lips wherewith she bound her soul of none effect and the Lord shall forgive. So when it came to the wife, the husband had the ability to break the wife's vow. At verse nine, but every vow of a widow and of her that is divorced, wherewith they have bound their souls shall stand against her. So if a widow or a divorced woman made the vow, then the vow stood. There was no man that had the ability to break their vows. So the three types of Nazarites were, number one, a Nazarite for a set period of time. Number two, a permanent Nazarite, a Nazarite for life. And number three, a Nazarite like Samson. Now, this is where I believe many of our teachings on the story of Samson are off in regards to Christian teachings. The Jews do not teach that Samson transgressed his vow. Only Christian teachings believe this. And we take this based on Numbers chapter six. But as I highlight as a teacher, the Jews have a better understanding of their religion and their culture, their practices, even their oral history. And so I prefer to hear the stories of the rabbis and their explanations of different things because they would have a better understanding of the Old Testament. And so I wouldn't debate a rabbi on most of their teachings in regards to the Old Testament. Um, I find it to be very enlightening for me as I'm listening to their teachings and as they teach this particular subject of the Nazarite vow. Uh, Samson, as we teach, transgressed when he was around dead animals. And of course, they can make the argument that the vow does not talk about animals or dead things. It speaks specifically of people. You can't be around the dead, dead corpses, people that have died. And so if that's the case, then Samson did not transgress his vow to the Lord. What is highlighted by the rabbis is that in Judges chapter 13, the angel said at verse 5, Thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So the angel highlights the hair 
and yet he does not mention the corpses. And so in doing so, the the Hebrew sages teach that Samson did not transgress his vow by handling a dead lion. Now, what I find interesting is those that teach this, Christian teachers, forget the point that that Samson killed thousands of people, thousands of men. And with them not being able to be in the presence of a corpse, if one dropped dead near them, if he struck a man, as the scripture says, with a jawbone and they fell dead, then he would be defiled. So it makes sense, according to the Jewish teachings, that Samson did not defile himself by being near the dead because his assignment was to deliver Israel from the Philistines. And this was only done through warfare. So I've heard Christian teachings on Samson that explain that he broke all the vows, everything that he wasn't supposed to do. He broke it all. And then um, the last one was when he broke the hair. I disagree. I believe Samson only broke his vow one time. And that's when he had his hair cut off and it was not cut off at the one time per year as permitted by those that were a Nazarite for life. He transgressed at that moment when that man cut his hair off as instructed by Delilah. Now, I want to highlight the fact here in Judges 13, it actually explains that Samson's mother also took the Nazarite vow. And this was per instruction by the angel. So I'm going to read this to you. It says at verse 3, this is Judges chapter 13, verse 3, that the angel appeared to Manoah's wife, and it said, The angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Notice at verse 4, Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. So her name needs to be mentioned along with those that have taken the Nazarite vow because she was required to also keep many of the uh, things to be separated from, as we see in the Nazarite vow. She could not drink wine, could not drink any strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. So that would be the grapes. It also says the same thing to her at verse seven. Let's read verse six. The woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me. His countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God. Very terrible, but I asked him not whence he was, neither told me his name. Verse 7, And he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and now drink no wine nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. And then notice again at verse 13, the angel then appears to Manoah and he says to Manoah of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. Verse 14, she may not eat of anything that cometh of the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. And so I find it interesting that the angel gave Samson's mother instructions requiring her 
to practice the Nazarite vow. And it must have been for a short period of time. It doesn't seem to have been required for life. But we don't see that same requirement and instruction regarding the child. So we, we see the emphasis by the angel on eating and drinking. But when it comes to Samson, the angel said, no razor shall come on his head for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. We do not see the eating or the drinking requirement or the requirement of the dead specified by the angel, which is very interesting. And so we don't have much time in today's lesson. So maybe on next week, I'm going to cover the four main areas of requirements by the, the vow where they weren't permitted to eat certain things, drink certain things. They could not cut certain things off and they were not permitted to be around things that were dead. And so I think we're going to take a little more time and cover those four areas. But I do want to conclude today's lesson with whether or not Jesus was a Nazarite. And so the argument is that Jesus was from Nazareth. And so he was not a Nazarite. He had not taken the vow of the Nazarite. And so they highlight the fact that Jesus drank wine. And we see that throughout the scriptures, even our communion, the Last Supper, he supped the wine. And so we see that in the scriptures that that would have broken the, the vow. But what they fail to remember is that the vow was not required to be for life. It could be for a short period of time. And of course, the least amount of time was 30 days. With that being said, some do teach that Jesus brought his vow to an end once he was baptized by John the Baptist, that him being immersed in water was the mikvah, the ending of the vow. That may not be the case, but we do find Jesus stating, I will not drink from the vine again until I enter into my father's kingdom. And then on the cross, he refused the vinegar. Both of these are part of the Nazarite vow. And so he might have taken the vow right before he died on the cross. Until next time, be blessed. You have been listening to Good Treasure Podcast Show with your Bible teacher, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and author of the books Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series The Adventures of Rai Rai. To learn more about these books or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at DariusGood.com. For more information regarding the church, visit the church's website at bgc.family. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation and enlightenment. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, may God open unto you his good treasure. Be blessed.